Mike Ward just mentioned that we had a vision night last Sunday, 6 o'clock, and Mac and Julie and the staff laid out the vision for 2021. And there were three things that they set out as their vision. One was growth, the second one was care, and the third one was community. And I know that when Mac and Julie and the staff came up with that, their idea was for the growth and the care in the community for us, the body of believers here at Lake Hills Church. But today, we're asking you to care and be a community for Mac and Julie. Because the day after that evening where they set out their vision for this church, they got a call and discovered that a dear friend and family member had lost their oldest child. Leanne Young was lost to Ed and Lisa Young. And Ed and Lisa Young, as you know from hearing Mac preach over several years, are, they're very close to them. Mac was actually uh, worked in Ed's church before coming here and starting Lake Hills Church. They were actually there in the hospital for the birth of Leanne and all of Ed and Lisa's children. Ed has spoken in this church to this body, and Mac has spoken in his church. And right now, they grieve. And Mac actually had to deliver the service, the funeral service. So he asked me to suffer him this week, and I want you to indulge me and indulge him as we are a community of caring for he and for Julie, and as a bigger community as we pray for Ed and Lisa during the loss of their child. So I'm going to speak this week on something that I think is probably on everybody's mind. We're going to take a little detour from Mac's sermon series, which is called In the Beginning. And if you haven't seen Mac's first two sermons on In the Beginning, I encourage you to go back and look at it. It is, they're wonderful. I actually sent him a text last Sunday after service saying, Mac, this is a great series and you're hammering at home. And I sent him a cool little emoji of a hammer and nails and all this stuff. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it and before and while we're in this interruption, go back and look at it. It's wonderful where it goes back and talks about how this all started and what's God's purpose as we live out his word. But we're going to take a little detour today. And I think maybe it's necessary to kind of reset ourselves. You see, 2020 caught us by surprise. We weren't prepared for 2020. This time last year, we didn't know we were going to be where we are this year with, 20, with the stuff that we're dealing with. 2020 was sort of like a running back Running through the line, his, his right guard and his right tackle opens up a hole, and he sees the end zone, and he makes a sprint to the end zone, and a linebacker comes out of nowhere and just blows him up. It's sort of like the quarterback who drops back in a pass, sees the right end streaking down the sideline, and he draws back to hit this open receiver, and from his blind side, there's an there's a end, defensive end, that just blows him up. There's a whole movie about that, by the way. It's called Blindside. That's what happens to us, isn't it? We weren't ready for it. How many weddings do you all know that were canceled last year? 
Everybody, come on, you all know. I know one that was canceled twice. Can you imagine being the mother of the bride? Whew. Caught us by surprise. Everything just seemed to come out of left field. But we somehow figured out how to crawl through it, and we all were looking hopefully to 2021, weren't we? We all said, you know, 2020 is tough. We get through this. We'll have a vaccine. We'll know who the president is one way or the other. We'll get past some of these other issues, and we're going to hit 2021 with hope, with hope. And so we crawled out of our catacombs and out of our caves with our masks on, blinking into the sunlight like we've been in solitary confinement in prison to emerge into 2021 to see what's out there. And as we emerge into 2021, we realize, okay, the vaccine is here, but everybody can't get it. And then we realize COVID-19 is still here and it's mutating. We realize, I really don't know how to plan for my business. I mean, I know I have to, but I'm not really sure what the outlook is. And we look at the stadiums and they're still mostly empty. And we're still not able to go see our kids swim at the swim meets because they won't let us inside. And we're still not able to do a lot of the things that we thought we were going to be able to do in 2021, at least not yet. And just last week, I found out that I have a very dear friend that's been battling breast cancer over the holidays. I just discovered it last week. And I also discovered last week in talking to a client that he had to have angioplasty surgery, the second one, last Thursday. And I have another client who's recovering from pneumonia and the complications with that, and his wife can't even go in to be with him in the hospital. So, oh, wait, and let me not fail to mention we had about, what, two, three feet of snow in Austin, Texas two weeks ago? <laughs> so, so as we push into 2021, I, I'm, I want to share this meme with you because it's just so appropriate, all right? Allow me to share the 2021 meme, please. Isn't that great? Y'all sure 2020 is gone? Whew. 2021 is shaping up. We still have some political undercurrents that are still flowing there. We still have racial undercurrents that are still flowing. We're still dealing with the, with the pandemic worldwide. Still can't travel when, where, and how I want to. Man, where are we going with this? Well, let me tell you something. Um, when we push into 2021, we realize that we're not quite yet out of the woods. But the beauty of it is we see it coming. It's not a surprise to us anymore. We can see what's on the horizon. Now, it is uncertain. It is, it is there's some confusion about what's best and what's not. Should you take the vaccine 
quickly after you've had COVID or should you wait three months? There's different opinions. So we got all these uncertainties out there. How do we handle this as Christ followers? Well, I want to share with you that we're going to study this morning the 23rd Psalm. And the 23rd Psalm is probably one of the most recognized passage of verses in the Bible. I bet if I asked many of you to repeat it, you could probably repeat the whole thing, or at least part of it. But let's dig into what it really means. It is a song, a psalm, a poem written by David, and it is beautifully written, and it is so powerful, you could probably have a 10-part sermon series on 23rd Psalm. We're going to cover all of it. We're going to kind of hit across the top of it. But then we're going to talk something about some, some parts of it that we need to focus on as we launch into 2021 as followers of Christ. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In some versions, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, what does that mean? That's a pretty powerful verse just in and of itself. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's stop with that just for a second. You first have to know something about sheep and shepherds to understand what that means. I grew up on a ranch, so I know about cattle. I don't know a whole lot about sheep. I had friends that showed sheep and lambs, whatever, during the Burleson County Fair Show and Rodeo. I showed steers. They share some similarities, but sheep are a little different. And the way they took care of sheep back in the day, David's writing this, this psalm, was that you might have a little corral of some sort at your home where you kept your sheep, but you had to go feed them. So they would take them out, and the sheep would follow the shepherd because they knew the shepherd. And they would follow the shepherd out, and he would take them to pastures where they could graze and eat and water where they could water and do things, and then he'd bring them back to the corral. And sometimes he might be out for days or weeks or months at a time chasing the grass, the feed, where they could, where they could eat. The sheep depended upon the shepherd for everything, for everything. They, they wanted for nothing because the shepherd took care of them. And so what he's saying by this passage is that I have my complete faith and trust that my shepherd will meet all of my needs. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall want for nothing. Now, if the Lord is your shepherd, what are some of the things that you get? What are some of the things that you get if the Lord is your shepherd? Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The Lord is my peacemaker. He's my peacemaker. He brings me peace. When I'm in the middle of the uncertainty, when I'm in the middle of all of the chaos that's going on, the Lord brings me peace. We have a ranch, and Johnita and I have done some things with the ranch house to upgrade it. We built a barnuminium, and we love going out there. And people always ask me when I tell them I have a ranch, I say, well, do you, do you have cattle? Which is what you're supposed to ask somebody in Texas if they tell you they have a ranch. I said, no, I don't have cows, but I lease the land out to my neighboring ranchers and let them graze their cattle on the, on the ranch. And what I like to do is I like to go out on the back porch with a cup of coffee, and I like to watch the cows graze. 
I like to watch the cows graze and lounge in the grass. It is a very pastoral and peaceful thing. Johnita says she can, she can feel the, the pressure valve release when we were at the ranch. Now, the deal is I don't want to deal with the cows past that. You know, I don't want to have to hurt them and make sure they don't have flies and make sure they have salt. Make sure I don't want to do all that. I just like watching the pastoral setting. And that's the picture here. He says, I'm, he takes me to green pastures so that I can have peace. He leads me beside steel waters. A sheep doesn't like rapid flowing waters, by the way. They're very skittish. They like the water to be peaceful and still. And God brings us that peace in the middle of turmoil. When we have anxiety, confusion, uncertainty, he is our cleansing breath. What else do we get? The Lord is my restoration. Psalms 23, 3. He refreshes my soul. Why? Why does God need to refresh our soul? Any ideas? Well, I can tell you. Sometimes we are depleted. Sometimes we just get tired. Hey, and I'm going to use the word, and sometimes we get depressed. You can read it in the Atlantic Journal, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Houston Chronicle, Austin American Statesman. I don't care what you read. Every one of them have posted articles about the increase in depression during the lockdowns that we've all been under. It's real. It affects some of us more than others. But none of us are immune from it. And David is telling us that, that sometimes I, I just need an uplift. I, I, need, I need something to, to get me out of this funk that I'm in. I had a friend, have a friend, that has been trying to get me to, go, to do a uh, Zoom Bible study for weeks. He started this Zoom Bible study during the pandemic. And he's a dear friend. I hope he's watching because I want to share this with him. I haven't shared this with him directly. And I've, okay, I blew him off. Right? Let's just, let's just call it like it is. But I had a reason. I don't need to do a Bible study. Every Wednesday morning, 8 o'clock, I don't need to do a Bible study Wednesday morning on Zoom. Oh, I'm tired of Zoom. And by the way, sometimes I want to sleep in on Wednesday morning. But for some reason, he reached out again last week, but specifically to me and one other friend, we're actually business partners, and asked us to join on Wednesday. And I said, of course I will. Yes, I will. So with kind of an eye roll, I joined on Wednesday morning. I'm being straight up honest with y'all, okay? I, with a bit of an eye roll, I joined the Zoom call Bible study. He had people on there from around the world. Literally around the world. And there was nothing in the Bible study that I didn't already know in our study of John. But when we finished, I felt refreshed. I felt restored. 
And here's the deal. I didn't know I needed refreshing. He restores my soul. What else does he do? He is my pathfinder. Verse 23 and 3, the second part. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. He guides me along the right paths. The shepherd leading the sheep. This is the picture that you have to have in mind. The shepherd goes out and there are paths. There are still in the Middle East sheep paths that the shepherds will follow and the sheep follow along beside them. Why do they follow the shepherd? Because the shepherd knows where they are going. They know where the food is. They know where the water is. And they know what's best for the sheep. And what he's saying is our shepherd provides us guidance so that we know where to go. Sometimes we just don't know what the right thing to do is. We, we're trying to figure out we want to do what's right. We, we, we want to bring honor to the name of the shepherd because if we're Christ followers, that's what we're supposed to do, right? Well, what happens when you have to make a decision and you're not really sure which way you should go? I had a conversation last week with someone who's very close to me. And they said, you know, I'm having real, real issues with my child and their playing time on the basketball team. I mean, she works hard. She does everything the coach tells her to do. She performs. And then the coach won't let her play or doesn't give her playing time or takes her out of the game and puts this other person in who's not as good as her. And I just don't know what to do. On the one hand, I want to I support my child and, and I don't want them treated unfairly. But on the other hand, I don't want to be that parent. And y'all know who I'm talking about, don't you? I told her, I said, well, I got to tell you, I don't know what you're going to do and I don't know the right thing to do in your circumstance. But as someone who played sports and got to experience that, and for someone who was a parent to children and got to experience that as a parent, to the point to where a head coach came up to me and said, I want to apologize to you and I apologize to your son because I didn't realize that the assistant coach wasn't going to play him. But my wife and I had a policy, and I passed this on to my friend. And that policy was we will never talk to a coach about playing time for our child. Ever. Not once. And let me tell you, that was tough to do sometimes. But we had to be led along a path for his name's sake. The child will get over it. The child will figure out that sometimes life isn't fair. The child will figure out who to trust and who not to trust. And the coach is responsible for their behavior and what they've done. That's not your call. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Here, suddenly, the poem turns dark. We're talking about grazing and green pastures and still waters and unicorns and daisies. And all of a sudden, the poem turns dark. A quick turn in verse 4. He is my protector. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. All of a sudden, he takes us to a dark place. He takes us to a place where we're not comfortable at all. 
In fact, he calls it, I, I actually like it, the other version of this verse. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, for thou art with me. Isn't that just cool? That just sounds good, doesn't it? And everybody's dark valley is a little different. I know people whose dark valley is indeed death as they face cancer or even COVID. That is their dark valley. Others' dark valley might be their business. I know a guy who started a business, built it up to success, only to have one customer after another tell him, I, I, I just can't. I, I, gotta, I gotta do it myself. I, I can't. I just don't have the money to pay you to do this. Someone else's dark valley might be a student who's like, I can't get this. I'm, I can't do this online. I need some teacher to help me. I need to see and feel here personally. I, I, I gotta, I'm struggling. That's your dark valley. We all have them. And it's different for each one. But what we have to know is that our shepherd is present. And he's not just present, he's equipped. The rod that he uses is a club. We call it a rod, but they, they call it a rod. We call it a club. And he uses it to beat back wolves and predators that would come after the sheep. Or if the sheep wanted to get out of line, sometimes he'd use it to beat the sheep, put them back in line. That's discipline for us. And he used the staff for the sheep. When the sheep wanted to wander off and go somewhere that might be dangerous, he would take the staff and pull the sheep back in to the herd. And we can have that confidence that even in the darkest of times, we've got the comfort, not helplessness and not fear. He's my promoter. He is my promoter. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Now, those three things you might consider three completely different things, but they are actually all very, very similar. The table and preparing the table is a welcome guest in a home. He prepares a table as if I'm a welcome guest. I went to the Middle East when I was on the Board of Regents at Texas A&M, and we went to see this guy. We were talking about agricultural stuff, and we went to his, to, to his office, and while we were in his office, this is in Kuwait, and he said, hey, can y'all join me for dinner tonight? And we said, well, we don't really have plans, but we don't want to put you out. He goes, no, 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 come to my house for dinner. We went to this guy's house for dinner, and it looked like a wedding banquet. He laid out this just array of food, and it was just wonderfully served because he wanted us to be welcome guests in his home. And the second part, he talks about uh, the anointing of oil. Now, when we go to somebody's house here, we don't put oil on their head to, as a sign of honor, but they did at that time. Scented, fragrant oil that they would pour on your head and sort of massage into your scalp. And it was a sign of honor as an honored guest. And then it says, your cup overflows. On this same trip in the Middle East, there was this thing that they always served tea and usually candid dates if you had meetings, at business meetings. And they would always have a servant in the room. And anytime you took a sip of tea and you put the cup down and you continued in your meeting, the servant would come over and refill the tea. 
And this happened, and I was try I'm trying to get to the bottom of the teacup, right? And I can't ever get to the bottom of the teacup. Every time I put it down, the guys... And so I mentioned this after a couple of days with some of the people who were with us, and they had been to the Middle East several times, and they said, oh, if you, want, if you don't want any more tea, you, you have to let the servant know by picking up your cup and shaking it like that. If you shake your cup like that, that tells the servant you don't care for anymore. And I couldn't wait. The next day I tried it. They poured me tea and I took a few sips. And when he walked over, I went like that. And he walked off. He didn't pour me anymore. I was like, yes. <laughs> I got to the bottom of the cup. But that's what this is saying. It's saying your cup overflows. We will not let your cup go empty. And the cup that they're talking about in this biblical scripture is the cup of hope. It's the cup of hope. Your circumstances may not be what you want, but you have an unlimited supply of hope in our shepherd. And finally, the Lord is perpetually good. Verse 6, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So even on our worst day, his goodness and his love persist. Now, let me ask you a question. Do we really believe this? Do, do we really believe that his goodness and his love follows us all of the days of our life? Because I think all of us have had some bad days. And I think all of us are going to have some bad days. So do we really believe this? If, if we do, why, why do we get depressed? Why, why do we give up hope? Why do we have so much anxiety about the uncertainty of the future? Why, why do we worry so much about the pandemic and the un, unaddressed racial issues and the political turmoil that continues? Um... Maybe we don't believe this, at least not fully. Maybe we only believe it when times are good, when we can go to the football games and cheer our favorite teams on right next to somebody else that we can high five when they score the touchdown. Maybe we only believe it when the business is going great and you increase by 10% each quarter over what your projections were the previous year. Maybe. It's only applicable when times are good, but it's really not applicable when times are challenging. Huh? This says our shepherd is good and his goodness overflows. Jesus addressed this for us, John 10.10. 10. John 10, 10 through 11, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief. The thief. Who's the thief? I'll give you a hint. It ain't the shepherd. He said, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd 
And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Are we going to let the thief steal our peace? Are we going to let the thief steal our joy and our hope? Who's your shepherd? For those of us who follow Christ, it's supposed to be Jesus. And this is what he said he has done for us so that we might have life. If it is Jesus, then let him be our shepherd. Let him provide for us when we have uncertainty about what we're going to do and which customers we're going to reach out to and the job that I lost and the job that I may or may not get. Let him be our shepherd when we need protection from the sickness and disease and whatever it is that we might face. Let him be our shepherd and honor us during this time of uncertainty. If not now, if we who follow Christ can't do it now during a pandemic, during financial crisis, during racial crisis, during political crisis, if we can't do it now, when? At what point does our Christianness come forward? As we kept getting hit and hit and hit and hit in 2020, I would tell Johnita, God is telling us, can you hear me now? How about now? All right, how about if I put five hurricanes out in the Gulf at one time? Can you hear me now? Army Rangers train for tough times. Navy SEALs train for tough times. Marine Recon train for tough times. They don't shrink when time gets tough. They push forward. We've been training for years, some of us for an entire lifetime. Some of us maybe are new to the faith and you've only been training for a month or two or weeks or a few years. But it's time to step forward with our faith. It's time to step forward with our trust. And if Jesus is not your shepherd, you're invited to the party. We'll lay out a plate of food for you. We will make sure that your cup stays full and we will anoint your head with oil. We have room in the flock. We'll scoot over. He just needs you to accept the invite. My dad on his deathbed said a number of prophetic things. He was a Baptist minister and he just went through a series of prophetic sayings and we started writing them down. And one of the things he said was, when an oxen can't pull anymore, it goes to its knees. Maybe God allows our wagon to be loaded up so we'll go to our knees and look up. Maybe he's allowed the whole world to be overloaded just a bit more than they think they can handle. So we'll go to our knees 
and look up. Let's look up. Let's cry out. He's waiting for us. But as we go into 2021 and 2022, who knows, maybe 2023, we're going to do so with hope, with joy, no fear, and with the comfort of knowing that our shepherd is there for us and looks out for us and takes care of all of our needs. Because the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. Let's end with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we all pause this morning and take a deep cleansing breath to try to understand what it is you want us to do as followers of the Great Shepherd. Father, you never promised us that we would not have challenging times. You never promised us that we would have a, a lifetime of financial security or even health security. You never promised any of those things, but what you did promise is that you would be there for us and that you would lead us and guide us and that you would heal us and that you would be our shepherd every day. And so we call upon you to be faithful to us. We know you will because we know you can't not be faithful. But we ask that you would help us, those of us who are followers of Christ, to know and understand what we have available to us and that you will never leave our side and that the circumstances don't matter. If there's any among us online here in the presence of the sanctuary who do not know you and, who, and for whom you are not the shepherd in their lives, we ask that you would reach out and touch them right now. And know that all they have to do is say this simple prayer. That I know that Jesus Christ and I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my salvation and I will follow you for the rest of the days of my life. It's as simple as that. You may not know the rest of the biblical scripture. You may not even know Psalm 23. You might not know the passages in John. Or, but you just know you want a shepherd who is righteous, who is available, and who will protect. And we invite you into our flock of believers. And if you made that prayer request, either online or here in the audience, we ask that you would let us know by, by something that you do as a manifestation of your declaration of faith. With every eye closed, every head bowed, that you would raise your hand and leave it up just for a moment. That's saying, I now want to be a member of the flock of believers. 
be cared for, to be guided, to be loved. And we have a tradition here that as you put your hand down, that we put our hands together to welcome you into the body of Christ.